Hello and welcome to another episode of the Trading Desk Podcast. My name is Joshua Thanos. I'm your host as always and back by popular demand after only how many years, Jason? Two. Two years? Maybe. I don't know. We have Jason, the main man, Maine, back with us. What's happening, brother? What's going on, man? Good hey. to be here. That's in right. person. That's right. We're doing Not it on in the phone. That's right. That we're, work from home. Well, we, I mean, we're, we are working from home, but we're... Uh, we're in contact with each other. Yeah, as fantastic. we uh, as we should be. We are both back in the, uh, the South Florida homeland permanently. So I'm I'm looking at a palm tree right now. I'm looking right at it. It's great. Yeah, it's a good it's thing. Tremendous. Awesome. So uh, so Jason, today we're going to talk about some interesting stuff. So last week with the uh, the new season of the uh, the Trading Desk podcast, I had everyone's favorite including mine and yours, uh, uh, Mike Manjos on the podcast. And we talked specifically about Rolex. We talked about the market as well. So today, what we want to do is cover kind of everything else in terms of what we thought was cool with watches and one. Not too many, not too many brands made waves, but there are a few that we have one specific, I think we both agree on. Um, and then kind of talk about what, what has happened to the market in the last, say, three weeks or so since, or two weeks since the, um, since basically Rolex kind of lit the world on fire. So, um, so that's kind of what we're going to be talking about, guys. Um, so if you're interested in that, go ahead and listen. Uh, but first, as always, we have our customary wrist check. So Jason has an Apple Watch on, I think. <laughs> I have uh, my most recent purchase, the uh, the green Seamaster that uh, just came out not too long ago, the 42 millimeter. And, uh, you know, I was telling Josh before the show, for whatever reason, this particular piece, uh, I've gone out of my way to put it away, try and put it back in the watch box and maybe break out different watches since I've gotten it. And for whatever reason, it always finds its way back outside of the box. And um, the second day after I got it, I put it on the rubber, which uh, conveniently I ordered before the watch and the rubber strap and the deployment buckle sat on my desk for a couple months before the watch came. And uh, day two, I put it on the rubber, never went back. And now it's back on the bracelet, so I'm trying something different. But yeah, if you haven't seen the new green Seamaster, it's uh, still pretty hard to get, and there yeah. there are people still looking for them. Um, but it's a great rendition, and uh, I know you have the blue one. Yes, yeah, 42 millimeter. I have the blue. We just we did a little comparison out in the Florida sun, and and I like the green. It is cool. Um, but for me, I think I think the blue is is where it's at. In fact, we were talking about this. You know, I have guys who are friends, maybe, or people who are just getting into watches, and they're like, hey, you know what? What should I start with in terms of, uh, you know, my collection? A, a watch that I can kind of just warm myself up to watches in general, something that maybe I can own for a year or two and not just get my ass kicked in terms of trade value, all that stuff. And I think, man, every time it comes back to this. In fact, you and I did a show back maybe like 2017, 2018, about how you can do an entire collection of just Omegas. Sure. Um, but I think that the 42 millimeter. Uh, current Seedmaster, the wave dial, the you know ceramic laser etched wave dials. Um, I personally I picked the blue just because I know it's going to be tradable, but they have so many different really cool colors. But for like forty five hundred bucks, which I think the green I'm sure is going to be more than that. But you know the blue trades for around that. Some of the other ones do about that same. But if you're just trying to get into watches and you're not sure, you know you don't wear a watch every day or you don't wear a nice watch every day, and you want to just see, hey. Am I going to be somebody who really will do something like this instead of spending 15, 20 grand on a Rolex or 40 or $50,000 in an AP? Start with an Omega Seamaster. Uh, it's a great watch. You have a lot of options with it. It wears well. You can wear it literally in every situation. Get up in the morning, put the watch on your wrist, go to work. 
come home, go to the gym, wear the, wear the watch, go to the pool, wear the watch. Literally, it, it belongs in every situation. So I think that's probably the best starter watch if somebody wanted to get into Swiss watches. Um, but the green is awesome. And then, you know, what's cool about that is if you love that watch, then you can start building an Omega, um, uh, Omega collection. You can get the green. You can get the, the, the black bezel white dial. You can start looking at Speedmasters. Get a, you know, Speedmaster Professional 42 or look at some of the 44s, the, um, the, the sides of the moon and all those things. So, again, Omega. Yeah. Um, we're not Omega dealers anymore. We used to be. Uh, but we are Omega fans. So and owners, and yeah, collectors. That's and right. I've had, I know you have too, I've had, I don't know, 10 Omegas at this point, in and out. And the number one thing uh, with Omega, similar to Tudor, I would say, for most people, is they're easy to come in and out of. You know, yep. it's not a brand, it's, it's, it's a rare intersection between uh, high horology and being able to enjoy the watch for some time and then just like getting out of it without losing it, uh, taking a bath on it. You know, yep. some other brands, you know, I don't know too many guys that are going into fifteen, twenty thousand dollars for a first-time watch, but you better expect you're going to take a bigger hit on yeah. something like that. There's just not as wide of an audience waiting to pick up a, you know, if I buy a sapphire sandwich and wear it for a year, I can sell it in two hours if I need to. Right, you, know? you can sell it fast. They're highly, you know, it might cost you a little bit, but again, it, it, they're easy to get in out of, right? So, right. Um, so yeah, that's that's our Omega commercial. Um, so today I'm wearing, uh, you know, Jason came over and in. And in uh, in commemoration of, of Jason's visit here and us recording today, I decided to put on uh, my only green dial watch, and that is uh, my Moser Pioneer Collective version. Uh, is it CO2? Yes, CO2. Yes. CO2. Um, great watch. I, I, guys, if you've heard my story on this, actually, I talked about it last time on the podcast with Manjos. Um, I bought the watch based on pictures. I was, like, obsessed with it. The watch comes in. I hated the watch. I felt like it didn't fit right. It just, it looked clunky. And there was elements that I liked, but there was too much that I didn't. I went back in the box and I'm like, damn, this sucks. Week later, I put the watch back on the wrist. I actually, I, what I did was I turned the bracelet around on the on the watch, which allowed it to fit much more snug on my wrist, which is how I have it right now. So technically the yeah. the clasp if, opens the opposite way that it's, I guess it's supposed well, you to. Had seen, you had seen mine previous to buying yours, but right? I, don't, I don't think I've ever even but tried you, it on. Yeah, we had uh, we had lunch and you tried it on, but it was on a strap. Yeah, and the, which and I, I love it on the strap. I don't think you thought the watch was clunky at first. No. When you got it and it was on the bracelet, I think you thought the bracelet was clunky. Yes. That was the problem. But, yeah, I mean, it's a great piece. If you guys aren't aware, just, like, uh, describing the watch, it's got a matrix green gradient dial, uh, which is – it's got a grain texture to it, so it's different than any other Moser dial. It's got the hands from the streamliner – um and you know just on the bracelet it's a full matte everything so it's not a very shiny watch it's, it's a really cool look yeah brush finish it's box, fantastic it's got the box crystal too so for a lot of people the bubble crystal on the regular pioneer uh is kind of the killer for them mm -hmm. so the box crystal really helps here with this piece but yeah black so ceramic uh black ceramic um uh, uh bezel uh bi-directional um, what I, what I really loved about the watch and one thing that I kept coming back into is the case, the, the case finishing. So like the way that they kind of etch out the flanks of the case is so unbelievably beautiful. And again, on the strap initially, I'm like, this is great, but I didn't buy it to wear it on a strap. I bought it to wear it on a bracelet and I thought the bracelet was clunky, but, um, I got used to it. I really love it. It does have uh, an awesome micro adjustment mm -hmm. in the clasp itself. And again, I'm wearing it right now. Uh, I put it on the wrist. It feels great. I love it. So 
Um, and you know, the, the trading prices for these have kind of um, you know, fluctuated a bit. When I bought them, they're a little bit high. It came down. It looks like they're back up again. In fact, I think Watchbox just bought one, so we'll see where it lands. It's probably going to be listed in the 20s somewhere. It's only 50, right. only 50 of these ever made. So I think it's probably worth it. It's a great watch. If you're looking for a, uh, a sport watch from a smaller brand, you know, Moser only makes about 1,000 to 1,500 watches per year. This is only 50 pieces made, so you're not going to see anyone ever wearing one of these again. Um, they do make different versions of the um, the Pioneer, and they, like, Godberg's even July, released a 100-piece edition in titanium at 40 millimeters, which, uh, really cool watch for me. It's a little bit small in titanium. I would love I would love the 42.8, the ones that, that we have, Jason. This watch in titanium was the only thing that would make it better. If this if this was in titanium, I don't know. Well, it yeah. would be unbelievable. And I got to imagine... For sure, a titanium regular size Pioneers coming out. It has to, yeah. It has to, but I don't know if it's going to be like you know a, a yeah. full version of that. Obviously, Montana but would hope it be pretty be. similar. I would, yeah. yeah. I mean, we would hope it wouldn't be because you don't want to affect the values, but you also don't want to have that steel piece on your wrist and hope and and want a titanium one because then mm. you're in a world of hurt. Mm. But I'll yeah. probably get that if if they do come out with this this size watch in titanium, I'll probably buy that as well. Uh, but yeah, it's great. It's an awesome, you know mid-tier uh um like uh what's the word i'm looking for independent brand right yeah. so it's like you know moser's not the smallest brand they make you know there's brands out there that make 50 watches in a year right so they make 15 1000 to 1500 watches a year so uh you know hand finishing handmade all the um the movements are all in-house so if you're looking for something a little bit more special but you want a, like a robust sport watch this is the watch for you yeah i mean still still a great smaller company that you have access to uh, you and i have had lunch with their u.s uh you know uh, boss man you know the president, u.s president or, yeah. um our buddy claudio yeah claudio shout out uh but i mean it's a small approachable brand that's uh young and fun and they have a pulse on what their their core audience is looking for and they're willing to put out funky dials and different colors and and they don't take themselves very seriously like i'm sure you guys are all aware moser's done like some crazy watches, the cheese watch, stuff like that, where it's just, you know, they're just having fun. They're doing mm -hmm. some some cool things. So, yeah, I like the brand quite a bit, obviously, enough to put my own money into it, and so did you. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's not it's not like going in and buying something that's, uh, you know, one of six and, and going to cost the moon, but it's certainly higher level than, you know, like the Omega I'm wearing or, or our Rolexes, for instance, in terms yeah, of we're, an we're independent. And, predominantly machine-made. Right. That's a big difference between you know when you get a when you get a watch from a smaller brand like this, it's going to be, you know, m most of everything's going to be handmade, hand assembled, as opposed to like Rolex, where it's going to be mostly machine made. Yeah. So. Um, but you know, just different different options for your collection. So yeah, there you go, guys. And uh, one one last thing about them is that if you ever hear you can hear like Ed, um, who runs a company, their CEO, um, you know, he is very cognizant and is is outright with his with his view and saying that you know he is cognizant of how these watches trade he doesn't want to overproduce things because he knows that collectors do care about their retail their resale value right like a lot of brands like will either you know they're going to disown you for selling one of their watches but you know when when secretly they love to see their watches trading well above the retail um or some brands that just pretend like a like resale market doesn't even exist um, you know, these guys, Moser is definitely cognizant of that. And if they see that, if they feel like they're overproducing a watch and the market price starts dropping just tremendously, they'll stop making that watch. Um, they, they are, 
they do have a yeah. good view of those things. They are very rare. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Their tagline. Yeah. Great, great tagline, by the way. Yeah, man. And I think, um, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's part of the collecting too, right? Like we all want to know, not necessarily that we can turn around and sell a watch, you know, for more or for what we paid for it, but you want to know that there's a store of value there and something that you covet and hold hold dear, right? And whether it's not, uh, you know, knowing that there's some residual value there kind of uh, elevates its wearing experience too. Yeah. Well, you want to, you don't want to feel like you overpaid for the watch. I think that's sure. what it comes down to. Most of my guys who are not like flippers or anything, but they also care about price. It really comes down to not wanting to overpay. I don't think it doesn't matter what, what your intentions are. Nobody wants to overpay for anything. So sure. All right. So let's go ahead and get into it. Right. So, um, watches and wonders was about just about two weeks ago. Um, Rolex made the biggest waves, right? Um, I don't want to go take a deep dive into Rolex, but we will talk about our favorite watches. I think Jason and I both agree. Titanium 42 Yachtmaster is the watch. For um, me, it was the watch of the show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think I, I would agree with that. I mean, I think we're both big fans of Titanium, right? I had, um, I have plenty of Titanium watches. My uh, my Titanium AP, which sadly is no longer in the collection right now, but I'll probably make a, it'll, it'll probably make an appearance again, probably towards the end of the year. I'll pick up another one. Um, love that watch. I love almost everything about Titanium in, in regards to watchmaking. I think it's, it makes a watch that might, might be a little bit too big, much makes it very wearable. Um, you know, I like to wear watches kind of tight on my wrist, but I don't, and I don't want to feel like, I don't want it to feel clunky. Titanium usually solves that problem. So, you know, it's a light metal. It's very hard. Um, never have an issue, too many issues with scratching and whatnot. Refinishing is also possible. Maybe it's slightly harder to refinish that than steel, but it's, you know, it is a great metal. So I, I have still not seen one in person. Um, uh, Godbergs are, I guess, our parent company. I heard word that we might not, they might not even see one. This, this year, this year, yeah, yeah, because it's it, it's it's going to be, I guess, that limited in terms of production. You know, again, think about they're doing. I mean, this is their second titanium watch. The first one really has no demand. Um, I've seen the the fifty millimeter uh, DC challenge one time in person. It looked as silly as you would have think. Um, doesn't feel bad though. <laughs> For that big of a watch, it did not feel terrible yeah. on the wrist. And the guy who owned it was so I'm I'm a little over six foot. I'm probably about one hundred eighty pounds. This guy's about 5'4", maybe 125 pounds, and he wore that on his wrist. He, he was wearing it as his daily wear. Um, so titanium does work, but uh, the reason why I brought that up is that, you know, they're, in terms of production, this is a watch that's going to be in super high demand. They're going to have to deliver a crap ton of these watches, you know, assume that they're going to be making this in perpetuity. They're probably going to expand the titanium you would watch. Have, yeah, yeah, you would think they have to. Titanium sub might be down the road, you know, maybe far down the road, but it's probably there. So... Um, assume that they're they're making sure that they're getting it right that they're they're shipping these things you know up to their standards so it's going to take a while to get those watches though we did hear that basically all the watches that were released are, are going to be essentially limited this year they're not going to be they're not gonna, just going to be sending large um, shipments of these watches out to their dealers yeah so. the, the days of uh, people thinking you know potentially that 2023 might be the, the year that Rolex ships cartons and cartons of watches <laughs> out. Uh, you know, you, we were hopeful, but uh, it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. So they're definitely going to be hard. Everything that came out of Watches and Wonders, I mean, we're just, we're, we said, what, two weeks away or two weeks out from when it dropped. Everything was kind of like a bombshell uh, from Rolex. They did a really good job releasing just some crazy stuff. And uh, I know Manjos, you know, not to dive too far into Rolex, but I know Manjos was talking to us and he said it's like, 
the craziest release that yeah. he can remember in history of Rolex, which says something for sure. But yeah, man, it's awesome. Yeah, can't wait to see the new Daytona. Anybody who I've talked to who's actually got their hands on that watch says it feels more robust, feels more like a sport watch, which is what it seems like they were going for. It's got a maxi case, dial, thinner bezel. So I'm excited for that. Um, you know, again, it's gonna be awesome. So all right, Rolex done. We both agree. Yachtmaster 42 in titanium is the watch. By the way, um, Jason and I, I think we're both aligned on this, that uh, the next Rolexes that we buy are probably going to be the Yachtmaster 42 in white gold on the Oyster Strap. Oyster Flex, I've, own, I've owned one two years ago. I miss it. Um, and I think that that'll probably be my next Rolex. And Jason is also on board with that. I think that is that might be my favorite watch in the catalog besides this 42 titanium so yeah i think it's the next logical play uh they are starting to pick up again though yeah, so value. if we're not going to do it Ooh. we should do it soon but uh yeah. you know when the time's right yeah maybe i can go to my local ad and get, get an allocation we'll see all right so um other big releases uh so paddock made some releases we're not going to go too deep into what paddock did um we're still not going to see those watches for a while and uh they, they were while they were cool they weren't the most interesting to me. Um, so they did a Pilot Chrono now. Um, you know, and and so what's funny, I, when I talked to Mandos about this, um, you know, I said, I'm a fan of ugly watches, right? And it looks like <laughs> Paddock just released a bunch of ugly watches. Yeah. I, so I like these watches that look weird, that, that almost look off-putting the first time you look at them, right? For whatever reason, I'm drawn to those. Seems like that's kind of, you know, with, with their annual cal calendar, Aquanaut um, looks funky, uh, they, you know, they have the pilot's chrono, which looks way too busy. Yeah. Uh, that's big. That'll what, be, what I, I mean, a lot of it's going to be the most popular piece of all the releases. This, you know, the 6,300 GR, just crazy looking watch. Right. Um, but you know, the, the pilot chrono, I think is going to be the, the, the one that everybody wants. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's probably the most wearable, but in fashion of a pot of, a like, uh, it's funny, I had this conversation with somebody, I told him it reminds me of like a, a Navitimer. Yeah. It's like, it's a pilot's watch that's just way too busy to read. Mm -hmm. There's a lot going on, which, you know, I, there's some people will probably crucify me for comparing a mm. Paddock uh, new gen chronograph to a Navitimer, but, you know, there's just a overwhelming, like, uh, you know, eyesight at a glance over stigmatism with that watch. It just feels busy. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely some really cool pieces too. I know that you were. Uh, yeah, I like the the twenty four the new twenty four hour dial. The, the fifty two twenty four rows. I think it looks really cool. Uh, it's very interesting. The fact that they they did a full twenty four hour at where the twelves at the top, twenty fours at the bottom. Sure. Um, I, I think it's cool. I like GMTs in general. It's my favorite complication. Um, I think it it's also ugly. It looks weird. It's slightly off putting. So yeah. for me, I like the watch. So I've I've very actually. Original. Yeah, I've actually owned some 24-hour dial pieces. Uh, while they are cool, they are really hard to sell. Yeah. Um, and I think people don't... I've, I've sold quite a bit, too, and people don't understand how they work. And the, it's broken. Yeah, it, it, without a doubt, we'll come back the next day and say their watch doesn't keep time. Yep. Um, so it's, it's an obstacle to overcome, and it's definitely uh, a little bit of a harder piece to sell. Um, that it'll be hard to sell for Paddock. Yeah, well, no, not for Paddock, but yeah. you know, for the for the salesman, uh, yeah. twiddling his thumbs trying to explain. But nowadays, I guess all these watches well, the are one, one phone call away from being sold. Right? right. I mean, yeah, nobody's passing up a a new Paddock at retail. That's uh, right. I mean, what do you think of these pieces here? Have you seen so these six thousand sevens? Yeah, the new six thousand sevens with these uh, the the funky colors. You got the yellow, the red, and the blue. I like this again. 
this is almost like it's like they took a shot or took a step towards like an OP. Like, hey, we're not going to really do much other than just change out the hands and uh, do the do the embossed styles that look like carbon fiber and yeah. kind of make it a sporty. Uh, you know, to me, these actually uh, when I first saw these, my first kind of uh, memory back was the Milamiglia, mm -hmm. the show part. Yeah, a little they, bit. They look very like uh, racing, cross sport inspired, mm -hmm. um, but obviously, you know, much higher end in terms of fit and finish and movement. Sure. But uh, yeah, price tag to go along with them as their precious metal. Uh, but just, you know, funky, cool pieces. I happen to, I mean, red and black is a great color combo. It's one of my favorites. So that'd be probably the one I'd go for. They do, I think the yellow, which probably looks most like the show part. Mm -hmm. And then the baby blue, uh, Tiffany blue. Yeah, I think, uh, so what I see from this, right, if I have to guess why they're releasing these things, I mean, so uh, Paddock has been scaling back some of their sport models, right? So there's the, the 5711's gone. They have a 5811, but not in steel. Mm -hmm. Um and you know they haven't really made a lot of releases in the in the Nautilus case or the Aquanaut case, right? They made like one rose gold with an annual calendar. Right. So uh, I can see this would, in their mind, is like, okay, we can get, we can make other other versions of our watches a little bit sportier, right? So like, you know, it's a Calatrava, okay, but it's a white metal and it has like a carbon fiber dial and a and a strap that looks like it's mimicking carbon fiber as well. So it's definitely uh, like a sporty style watch, right? Yeah. It's, if, if it's not sport, it's going to be casual, right? So I can see them kind of maybe leaning more into that and seeing that every single day, by the way, Jason, I'm hearing more and more people talking to me like, hey, listen, you know, I'm selling this watch. I had a guy who wanted to sell me a paddock today. Um, he's got a 5905. And he said, listen, I don't, you know, in the last three years, like I don't go to meetings anymore. I don't wear, I don't wear like a dress watch anymore. So um, while we are seeing people collecting complicated paddocks for everyday wear, we're seeing many more people sliding more towards casual watches. So maybe this is something that paddock is seeing and, and responding that way. And this is an easy way for them to release some watches that are, yeah. you know, they didn't have to, you know, make a new case, make a new. And the fact that it, you know, it has a date on it. So it's meant to be a daily watch. You know, it has yep. the Arabic markers, uh, instead of, you know, hashtags or anything like that. Um, you know, or hashes. So it's it's meant to be kind of a more casual looking piece. Uh, interestingly, if they'd have done it in steel, you know, they would have probably set the world on fire. Right, and that might but come next. It might come next, but I mean, they're they're what sub forty grand. Um, if you can get one, which you probably won't be able to, but you know, nice thinking. Um, yeah, I think it was a good release. Uh, it could have been a little bit more water resistant, maybe, but for for what people were looking for for a daily watch, but you know. Yeah, thirty millimeter. I mean, it's white gold, so it's it's definitely a casual watch, not a sport watch, right? But um, it's cool. I can see this watch. Maybe if Paddock wants to go in titanium, that's a good look right there. That would be a cool piece. Yeah. All right. So um, that covers Paddock. Uh, what else do we have here, Jay? So we have some something I liked that you didn't. Well, so like, I think this is kind of our both so, of ours. By the way, segue. We went from. Basically, it's super high end. The watch, the watchmakers, watchmaker, and now we're gonna go down to the well, low end. Though, though they don't make that many watches. Actually, Paddock probably makes ten times as many watches as this brand. And the brand that we're talking about, guys, is Bell and Ross. Um, I I own Josh wanted three, to talk about three Bell and Ross watches. Um, I like Bell and Ross. They're I think their U.S. headquarters is in Miami, so that also makes me feel good. And uh, and they only make about four to five thousand watches per year, so they're a much smaller manufacturer. Four to five or forty five. Four to five. <laughs> yeah, uh, but they're a much smaller manufacturer. Than, yeah. Than big old Paddock, the big Paddock factory, just churning watches out. 
uh, Bell and Ross over here, hand making four to five thousand. I mean, listen, they're, they're, by the way, in terms of production numbers, Bell and Ross, Longa, Richard Mill, all roughly in that same. So just just saying. Well, I like Bell and Ross. I fifteen years ago, I was selling Bell and Ross new at retail. Oh well, yeah, I was. Crook. I well, I mean, it was a fun time because they were they were relatively up and coming, but they were doing cool limited editions. In really cool packaging, they were ahead of the curve. They came with tools, mm -hmm. they came with patches that commemorated, you know, the special edition, and they were, you know, under ten grand. They were fun watches, and they're still fun watches. Uh, this particular one that you want to talk about is I'm just I'm not a fan of, but I, I do like uh, the brand. So they came out with the Bureau Five probably what about four or five years ago. Yeah. All right, and and so we're uh godberg jewelers our our parent company is as an authorized dealer so we got to see those watches mm -hmm. and their and their boutiques in philly nice watches cool not my favorite watch um you know i thought it was like okay this is nice but it's like kind of like it's almost like you know it takes a lot of design elements from like a nautilus and an aquanaut right it's like a you know it's a smallish square sport watch is what they did and i think they've done all right with it we've had some guys who like these watches um but you know, not not my favorite thing. But so their new release, which is the BROX, which is a new in-house movement they make, seventy-two X5, hour fire reserve, right. X five, sorry, yeah. BROX five, yeah. Instead of the O five, it's X five. It has um, the like altimeter altimeter style date um, wheel, so you can see you know three days of the week, so you know not only what day it is yet today, you also get to see what date it was yesterday, and also Jason, as an added bonus, you get to see tomorrow's date, so you know what the heck's can. going on. Yeah, Nobody's getting anything numbers. past. You. That's right. Nobody's getting anything past you if you're wearing that watch. Um, it has a power reserve on the dial. I think it's a handsome watch. It's kind of cool. Uh, Seventy-five hundred bucks on a bracelet. I think sixty-nine hundred dollars on a strap. So it doesn't break the bank. You know, it's it's you know you're it. You're competing, so Bell and Ross is kind of like above a tag Hoyer, but in kind of maybe like maybe competes with like Omega, I guess. No way. No, no. no. I would say right now in the market, Bell and Ross is a direct competitor, definitely over tag, but probably like a direct competitor with something like Breitling's. Okay. Breitling. Breitling's market. Yeah, but I think Omega is a, a step above for sure. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm thinking about in the price point, right? I, if I, you're spending so, five or six thousand dollars on a on an Omega, so yeah, don't spend six thousand dollars on a Bell and Ross. That's okay. my point. Okay. I mean, so I mean, we've said before, Bell and Ross, excellent uh, pre-owned play, right? Um, the O5, the one that came out for this was before this was kind of like their uh, integrated bracelet yeah. hat in the ring type watch. Um, they did you know, well. It, does, it they did really do well. well. Uh, then they came Small out numbers. with the chronograph. The chronograph was a little bit bigger, fit a little bit better, mm -hmm. for me at least, and people's opinion, uh, you know, what people wanted. Um, that carbon compressed carbon fiber piece they came out with, the orange was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So the X5 is a, is like the next evolution. Um, I don't know if they consider that movement an in-house movement or not. But it is. It's a, it's a well, uh, their website says it's in house. It's manufacturer movements, what they call it. Yeah, so, so it's, it's in someone's house. Yeah, it's it's probably a you know rebranded someone's in house movement. They rebranded. I'm not quite sure, but uh, yeah, Josh was making fun of the date window because prior to this uh, conversation, um, I basically said it's like the one thing I I can't stand on that watch. But the power reserve's cool. I think uh, it fits the wrist well. You know, so it's it's a cool integrated look uh, for a lot less money. The next piece, the the one that I actually am uh, supportive of and and would like to see, 
is the new bronze piece, uh, the yeah. white dial. Have you seen yeah. that? It's like an opaline dial on top of the bronze case. It's really yep. pretty. I think, so I think Bell and Ross might do bronze better than anybody else right now, right? So like, you know, Panerai, everybody knows the bronzo, okay, right? So you spend whatever, between fifteen and $25,000, depending on which bronzo you're looking at, and they keep making more. So that that value might slide. Um, Has, for sure. Yeah, but I mean, realistically, like, so uh, in terms of fit, finish, and movement, I don't know if there is really a difference between a Bell and Ross bronze diver and a bronzo. And it's really just going to be the price. So um, the the new one that they came out, so they, they, they've made, they made it, I think there's a green, green um, bronze, a black mm -hmm. bronze or whatever. So they've made a few different bronze divers, cool watches. They um, retail for about, for less than 5,000 bucks. Okay. Uh, the new one here on their website shows that they're only going to make 999 pieces. It says I can add to cart right now, so I could buy this right now. Is it going to go up in value, Jason? No. It won't go up in value. But you're spending $4,700 on the watch. So what are you going to sell it for? What's worst case scenario? You sell it for 2500 bucks? Yeah, worst case scenario, I would say $25. I would expect three. Okay. Because right? the bronze pieces usually do pretty well. This new colorway very much has a root beer inspired vibe to yeah. me. Um, I've, I like their bronze pieces in the past. I will just backtrack a little bit. And uh, if you want to compare this to probably the next, I would say, uh, best fit and finish bronze piece, probably a little bit better than this. For the money in the market, it's got to be the Tudor. Okay. Um, so they're very comparable in terms of like what you want. But I will say that the Bell & Ross is going to give you that wrist presence mm -hmm. that the Bronzo would have. Yep. So if the idea is that you like a bigger watch and you want something that has like a little bit of like um, you know, that bold presence of a big diver for in bronze, then that's definitely the Bell and Ross versus the Tudor. Let's see what people um, are asking for bronzos. I'm going to look this up right now live. Let me just see what people are asking for. So in terms of online. like what came out from Watches and Wonders for Bell and yeah. Ross, I, I like this, uh, I'll, I'll say like root beer inspired opaline dial in the bronze better than, than that X5, just yeah. for me personally. I agree. Well, this is, this is a watch that you and I would both own. I mean, I own the blue steel uh, diver, which I love that watch when it came out. I got it right away, actually. And, you know, it's uh, the retail on that was, I think, can't even remember, it was like 3500 bucks. It was, it was cheap, and, it was, and I still have it in my collection. And what I like about that watch is that I don't wear it very often, but when I do, I love the watch. And when I go to sell it, I know I'm not going to get much money for it, so it goes back in the box. Right. You know, I don't know. It's, just, it's, a, it's a cool watch. I think it, it kind of... It hits above its its price point, um, you know. If you want like a like a legitimate diver diving watch from a cool brand that's not going to look like anything else, that's certainly not going to break the bank. This is the watch. And to the it being that O three ninety two case, it's it's the smaller size, not the O one. Mm -hmm. It's it's really is the perfect size. Yeah, forty two mil, forty two millimeter case is where it's at on that watch, and it's distinctively Bell and Ross. Yep. Like for for a watch, I mean, name me another watch for under under five grand that like from 20 feet away like that case you know shape is. Yeah. is owned by that brand mm -hmm. and if you do it's because they deserve it like cartier would be one like mm -hmm. santos but even then that watch is more expensive but well, from like 20 Panerai. feet away right this yeah, is like it a, has like a, that that D that dna mm -hmm. it's like a right? cheaper version of a yeah. Panerai, really like exactly. i think that and i i'm not alone in saying this as a Panerai collector myself the bell and ross share so many elements with Panerai and the fact that you're going to get a very distinctive case. You're going to get a watch that's robust and you can wear it all the time. And there's somewhat of like a, like guys who wear Bell and Rosses, they're not quite as like in a club as a Panerai guy would, but there is some sort of, like you see somebody wearing a Bell and Ross. It's a, yeah. It's not like, 
there, it, not everybody's gonna wear it. So you can say if, something to a guy if you're if you're wearing one, and he's wearing one, he's gonna give you the thumbs up. I think for most people, I mean, it's that very distinctive military s style. Yeah, yeah. And for most people, at least the you know the guys that we talk to every day that can appreciate a Bill and Ross, it's not their highest end watch, right? No, of it's not. the it's the cool, fun way to spend four to five grand that's gonna still have a play in the box, mm-hmm. but you can wear it and it's like. You know, maybe not your beater, mm-hmm. beater, but it's it's definitely towards the yeah. the, the starter side of it. So there you but, go. That's a win. I think that's a that's a watch to pick up. You can looks like you can just buy it right on their website right now. Um, Nine hundred ninety nine pieces, and there's going to be one less because I'm yeah. going to buy one right now. Don't forget right. to uh, send us our commission, Bill and Ross. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right. So other kind of cool watches, just honorable mentions. Uh, Chopard came out with a new dial for their Alpine Eagle, which has been a, a good watch. That watch, like every time I get it in my hands, I'm surprised at the quality of that watch. Yeah. The XPS. It's uh, So that watch, yeah, I mean, it's pretty. It's a pretty bold watch from them. But again, it's you know, it, it's been out in different variations. Mm-hmm. I think this dial will sell really well. I think... Um, my takeaway from that watch, I like it quite a bit. Micro rotor, uh, comfortable, thin, yeah. you know, comfortable on the on the wrist, on the bracelet. My take for that watch is it's it's like a little bit smaller than I want from from that watch. Yeah, it's it, the way it wears. Like it's a forty one, but I think it wears closer to you know thirty nine. Super thin. Um, which I see the problem is I, for me, I love that. Yeah, like I like a forty one that wears slightly smaller. So like this is if you don't want to spend fifty thousand dollars. On a on a Royal Oak, or if you don't want to spend a hundred thousand dollars on a um, on a fifty seven eleven, but you want a good quality watch from a small manufacturer, uh, I mean, this is so. What are you gonna find? I mean, so for me, it would be this or the GP Laureato. Okay, yeah, exactly, yeah. So the 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 Chopard, um, Alpine Eagle is it it feels like it's a direct competitor with that Laureato, and you can honestly have both if you if you know. If you felt like you needed them, you could definitely have both, and there's there's a reason for both those to live in your Yeah, they're two collection. different types of animals, I think. I mean, they're very similar, and they're directly comparable, but I think the differential would be if you're a guy that wants to, you know, talk about, like, the artisan aspect of it, then I think the show part is put together a little bit more in a prettier manner with, like, that bracelet and the sectional and the micro rotor and all that. The GP is for the guy that wants the Genta. Mm-hmm. You know, he wants that like AP look. Um, so I guess they're, I would directly compare the two uh, in terms of kind of the space they would fill in a box, if you will, in sure. a watch box. But, you know, they're different watches for sure. Yeah. And this, so this new version that they came out with, uh, 22.5 retail, I'm sure you can get a discount through. Retail and if you know once they start hitting them hitting the um, the resale market, I'm sure there'll be even less. So say say you're gonna find that for fifteen grand, you yeah. think for fifteen thousand dollars, that's a very cool, fun little casual watch. I don't know if I call it a sport watch because it is an ultra thin. What's the specs on it? So what's the where is? I mean, the, it's got the LUC movement in it, which is nice. Um, oh, hundred meters water resistant. Okay, yeah. so that's a robust uh, sport watch. Yeah, you can wear that in the pool, huh? Now I got to start looking at that. I haven't. The last show part I've ever, I've owned was a Milmiglia. I, I like a lot of the LUCs. Maybe this is something that uh that I start looking at. I'll put it on my in my list, and if I if I love it in be, six months from now, I'll buy it. It'd be one of those watches that you uh, search eBay for. <laughs> yep, that's what <laughs> I do. A long list of things that yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think so. With watches and wonders uh, this year, I think kind of right in that range, that mid mid price point right like kind of off the wall pieces or what really stirred the pot this year yep. like you know 
Uh, I think one of the watches that we have, we can jump to it right now, that was in the queue to talk about is something I was very excited for is the yeah. new Engineer. Um, maybe not so much now that I've seen it, yeah. but I, I had some really high hopes for the piece. I will say that um, not all of them were met, but especially price point, but I've seen video. I haven't seen it in person yet, mm -hmm. but I've seen video of it, and the, in video, it's much nicer than the photos, I think. I think it's going to be one of those watches really hard to photograph, but I think they did a good job with it. Just uh, for me, talking to people, I think the overwhelming uh, aspect was just price point. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, the, the Ingenieur is a, is a weird model. They've, they've gone through so many different iterations of it. And, uh, you know, it's it wasn't really on my radar. I know you kept talking about it. I was just ignoring you. I don't think I engaged you on it because I didn't seem like you cared, I cared about it. It is a nice watch. Um, I don't know. I don't really have much to say about it, right? Like, it's not, it doesn't speak to me. How, what's, the, what's the retail price? It's it's expensive. So, I, 12 to 15, if you, 15 in titanium. They do a oh, uh, like titanium. they do a titanium version with like an aquamarine that just came out uh, in this reference. Mm -hmm. um, it's really pretty in video and in photos. But so so the problem, uh, not pro I don't know. I don't I don't want to talk too badly about the watch because I haven't seen it in person yet. But the the reason I can't own uh, Engineer, uh, and I've talked to this with some of my friends slash clients, uh, the bezel drives me crazy. So it's a similar problem with the old one. I was kind of hoping they were gonna rectify it. The, the reason that, that the engineer has those uh, tool marks in the top of the bezel in the, in the older generations is that's how the watch was put together, mm -hmm. right? You would use a special wrench to screw the bezel down and then put the watch together. So like, like an offshore. Uh, correct. So, but now that's not the case. So for me, there's decorative. So there's really no reason for them not to line up with the hour markers, which mm. drives me crazy. You got the one at the 12 o'clock, which is perfect. And then all the other ones are off kilt not to say that it needed to be, but it's just something, and, and it might be me and my crazy eye, but like just aesthetically, it would be something that would hmm. bother me enough to where I wouldn't own the watch. Um, so I'll disagree with you. I'll say that if they line them up, I think it would almost look a little strange to me now. I'm just, I'm looking at a picture. It's 15 degrees off. I know, but it's, so uh, I think that it would almost be, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for, but it, it I don't know. I, I So I think I would, I understand what you're saying. So these are decorative. Is that what you're telling me? Yes. Okay. So there's no reason for them to be there. So maybe we don't just have them at all. Uh, it's a reason. historical look for the watch, though. So like I could see why they would want to continue it. It's listen. It's a nitpick at this point. Let's say that's that's not really uh, an argument for anybody but me, right? It's just my craziness. Yeah. So it's the the bracelet's beautiful. Case is really nice. I know some people don't love the crown guards on the new one. Yeah. I happen to think it looks really cool. Uh, it's got, uh, so the first kind of like detriment to it is it's the same movement that's in their much cheaper Mark 20, mm. right? So it's, uh, I mean, it's a good it's movement, issue. you know, but if I can get a Mark 20 for 3,500 bucks pre-owned pre -owned, yeah. or this for 12, you tell me where that well, movement. The Mark, that's like, what is that? That's like a $5,500 retail watch. Yeah. And I mean, 000. I mean, it's a good movement. Don't get me wrong. And it's, it, mm. it is a nice IWC in-house piece, but um, and then two, uh, which which is actually something that we should talk about because I don't know how many people know this, but uh, a lot of people were upset about the double butterfly clasp on this. Yeah. And I spoke to somebody who's pretty close to IWC, and they told me that they didn't really advertise it, but um, there is a second buckle option for this watch that is not a dual butterfly. It's just like a standard foldover buckle, and that one does have micro adjust. Mm -hmm. So I think you can get the watch either way is what I've been told. Um, 
you know, I haven't seen it in person yet, but that's what I was told. And then the other big uh, kind of rumor for this watch when it was coming out was one price point. Again, it was supposed to be like eighty five hundred nine grand, and or that was the rumor. And two, it was supposed to be moving towards IWC's like easy exchange bracelet system hmm. that they've done in their pilot pieces, and that obviously didn't. Come yeah, I wonder to why they didn't. Yeah, if you're going to release a new model and you already have that, which. By the way, every brand's going towards. I, I'm waiting for Rolex to have that. Yeah, which will never happen. By the way, there's other reasons, but um, yeah, why the heck would they? Especially if they're going to charge fifteen thousand dollars for the watch. Yeah, why would you not add that to the bracelet? I so wonder you, what the reason is. So yeah, I mean, the argument would be like, oh well, it's a integrated bracelet watch. That's what it's supposed to be, but it can still be that and more. Do they right? not have so like? Well, I mean, so like, okay, AP makes integrated bracelet or bracelet watches that have quick change. Right. Um, do they not have? It's, there, it's obviously a price. Watch it's no? got to be a price point. No. Oh, so there's no strap option. So why? But it's a brand it? new watch. Why? It, they could easily mm. have a strap system. The problem. So yes. I, realistically, like, let's say eight to nine grand was was what this watch should have been, right? To deliver to like the the core audience to it. Then a fifteen thousand dollar titanium version with interchangeable strap system and some of the other stuff that you would have wanted would have the price point would have made more sense. Mm -hmm. Um. So I don't know. I mean, I, I have a, I'm putting this one on pause because I do think it looks beautiful and I do like the movement. It just, I need to see it in person first. Okay. Um, but I mean, it's a good release. I just feel like it didn't quite, it wasn't like quite a home run like they were expecting. Sure. Uh, when you look at some of the other stuff that's out there for that price point, uh, I know we were talking about, uh, or I had mentioned, I don't know if you want to touch on it, but uh, Zenith. Mm -hmm. Which is a brand that I'm a big yeah. fan of. Did some really good stuff this year. So yeah, they're they're well. We can talk about Zenith. So Zenith, I think we both agree. Besides Rolex, which is like let's just take Rolex off the table. Zenith is the winners of the uh, of Watches and Wonders 23. I mean they <clears throat> what they what they release with their uh, their Pilot Big Date, which is an awesome watch, mm -hmm. and then also they're uh, expanding their Skyline, their Defy Skyline, which has been like super popular. It's crazy to me that, you know, again, we've said this many times before, but for a brand to go take a line that basically almost put them out of business initially, the first defies mm -hmm. were absolutely terrible watches, super expensive to make, super expensive to sell, and they didn't sell any of them, they're crap. Like some people like the watches, so that's awesome, but they almost bankrupted the brand. And then for them to reinvent this, what, 20 years, 25 years later, and make it basically their most popular watch right. is tremendous. Like I, I have to, I have to give Zenith uh, a, a huge commendation for that. I mean, they, they've killed it, and these things are really cool. So basically, what they've done is they've created a Royal Oak that is slightly more wearable, much more, um, uh, much more affordable, and in every version that you can want. Right? Yeah. Would, would you agree with there? Yeah. So I mean, they did. Well, so going back a, a ways uh, with the original Defy Twenty One. Yep. Hotcakes, right? Oh, the yeah. watch did People really well. Yeah. So, like, that was their first... To me, that was the first thing to kind of put them on the modern map in terms of people looking at them for, uh, you know, where is the most value, right? Zenith has always been a great piece in terms of value, but, you know, unless you really kind of delve down the path of, like, but I want an El Primero or, or I want that historic Zenith, they weren't mainstream on the map, like, competing with Tudor and competing with these, you know, these brands of what I'm going to buy right now, right? Like Omega, what's hot right now. So they've definitely done that with the Defy 21. That kind of put them out there. 
I, I personally own a Defy Extreme, right? The 44 millimeter full titanium interchangeable bracelet system. Love the watch, mm -hmm. absolutely love it. Two movements, you know, it's got their, their classic chronograph, um, sapphire dial, very cool for the money. Uh, $20,000 watch trades for about 15, mm -hmm. right? Fantastic yeah. value. Now, and I usually, I, I, it's weird because I tend to mono collect brands, like a, a one watch from each brand. Yep. But now I'm seriously considering the new uh, Defy Skyline Ceramic with just a closed dial. So you name for me a watch that's, un, you know, 15, 15 grand or under, mm -hmm. full ceramic case bracelet, interchangeable ceramic bracelet to a rubber strap with a quick change system with a movement that's, that's got the provenance of the, the El Primero. Yeah, no, you know, there's it, it can't exist. I mean, it's crazy the amount of value. So when I compare that to like the engineer that we were talking about before, it's kind of just falls short for me because yeah. you know, and and it might just be well, singing yeah. the praises of Zenith, well, but this or that. If you do a this or that between the new engineer and the new um, Skyline ceramic, like there's no comparison it's, whatsoever, yeah, right? They're similar watches. They they're gonna occupy the same space. Similar retail pricing. There's no question which one you buy. Right. right, especially right now. But I mean, it's it's funny because I remember you. I think I don't know if you were on that. Like I was on the Zoom when they were, uh, you know, because we're we're uh, our parent company sells um, Zenith new primary, and I was on that Zoom and I'm and they were talking about the new Skyline and you know just like the snob always comes out on you whenever the, a watch brand tries to do something new, you try to shoot it down in your head, right? I'm like, oh okay, great, sweet another Royal Oak. But and one of the things that they talked about. And they wanted to highlight is that, hey, listen, Zenith has always been a watch guy's watch. People know Zenith from like the El Primero movements and how they were in some of the Rolexes and all these things, right? But they want to move more into a lifestyle brand. That's something that they want to try to do. And I'm like, yeah, right. Good luck, right? Well, I, <laughs> they're doing it. That yeah. was probably two or three years ago. They're doing it, man. They, uh, Especially with this watch. I have guys who are like, yo, for the price point, this is a great watch. And, you know, in terms of rebranding yourself, it's going to take 10, 15 years, yeah. right? Like, so... I can see uh, a time in which, you know, these brands are something that like everybody has to have a Zenith Skyline or, you know, whether, whatever it might be, a big pilot or whatever in your, I mean, which is kind of a lot of people have been that way in terms of big pilots, especially when they, they release like the, the little big pilot, which is right. awesome, 43 millimeter. Uh, but, you know, Zenith has been just, uh, or sorry, that was IWC, what am I thinking yeah, about? Yeah, it's IWC. Um, but, sorry. But Zenith has their pilot piece. Right, they have the pilot time. piece as well. So, but yeah, uh, what I... What I like is that Zenith has been moving more into, you know, the the view of non-hardcore collectors, right? Like you're, they're they're expanding their they're, market and they're doing it well. Well, I think what they do really well is figuring out how to do both sides of it because they have pieces that are you know they they make a new skyline that's smaller with colorful dials that do or don't have diamonds for like you know the lifestyle woman's watch, but they make. They just came out with a uh, rainbow-inspired flyback large date chronograph that's in full ceramic. Yeah. That both, brand new model. But that both brings you know some history back with it from the rainbows, mm -hmm. and also all the new material science, which is a thing that we've talked about in the past with yeah. with both the YouTube show and the podcast. Like brands like Hublot, they get a lot of hate. Really press material science. Yeah. Right. Zenith is doing the same thing. They're pressing. Same material same company, science, yeah. But, but like in terms of in terms of where they can put the most value dollar wise mm -hmm. into you know movement development, 
material science. That's why I like, I love this brand. Um, and I do think you're right. Like they're probably five years away from being like yeah. the next big name brand, uh, you know, maybe not over retail pieces, but yeah. definitely trading really hard at retail. Yeah. We're like people, everybody knows them and everybody understands them. Yeah, man. I mean, they, the new Chrono, by the way, has the quick release. Uh, That's right. System. Yeah. Zenith does quick release. seems like everybody's doing that. They realize, Hey guys, people like to swatch, swap their straps, like give them what they want. And it's a great way for the brand to make money too, because like, mm -hmm. what do you like the the watch that I have, mm -hmm. the Defy Extreme? Yeah. I have six straps for it, and you can only buy them from one place. So you gotta buy the manufacturer strap to make it work, but yeah. figure it's worth it because it's two hundred. You know, they're three hundred bucks. Yep, yeah. and snaps right in, looks great, works with the buckle. Yeah, uh, man. yeah, but I think I would say I would give it. I know you said that they win watches and wonders uh, for this kind of. Uh, yeah. Word of mouth tier. I would say Tudor is also yeah, yeah. very close in terms of what everybody's talking about. Uh, Zenith and Tudor, I think, did fantastic yeah. jobs. For different different reasons. I mean, it's yeah. funny. So, like, uh, you know, they came out with the new the Black Bay 54. They came out with the new Jubilee for the Black Bay. Um, and then the new GMT, which are all really cool. I've owned, I think, every version of the Black Bay. Um, those are fun watches. Yeah. It's just there's something different about, like, the Black Bay's cool. Love it. Trade in, trade out. I never get attached, hard attached to them. Whereas like Zenith, I feel like, okay, there's a little something extra there. That's that's so, all. Yeah, I mean, it, so it, that's my view of things. Well, yeah, I mean, listen, the watch, the Zeniths are far and away better watches and more interesting in almost every single way. But I've just, you know, to make the segue sure. and also to tell like the word, the, you know, the uh, talk on the streets, as, but, you know, as to say that, that Tudor made a, a large... Uh, push into some new models and people are talking about them mm -hmm. and every time Tudor releases something people talk about it but yeah. they you know they came out with the the Metas certified new red black base a uh, couple different bracelet options like you mentioned I don't know if they call it a Jubilee or if it's technically their five link it's but a Jubilee Jason I, I looked at it I saw it I saw that it was it's a Jubilee, uh, so I'm gonna call it that okay so I mean it's really cool I I think you know, we mentioned the 42 Titanium. That's a P, uh, Yacht Master. That's mm -hmm. a piece that I want from the show. Sure. The Metas Red on the rubber strap mm -hmm. with the deployant, the Easy Link deployant, is going to be something I probably want from the show too. Sure. Uh, so I think tremendous amount of bang for the buck. Uh, they obviously released some other stuff. The 54, which is their new 37 millimeter. Mm -hmm. To me, they're still I trying mean, to find the the, the the perfect size. Yeah. For the, I, to me, well, it was the, weird. The tutor is like. Kind of like clunky, or, or the, the Black Bay. I've owned a bunch. Yeah. On a strap, it's clunky. Some days I like it, some days I don't. So the new uh, red Metas is thinner. Mm. Uh, not by much, but okay. a but little that's bit. A, yeah, but they, that's what you need. I think they changed the crystal set, and they also changed the way the dial is mounted to the to the movement, so it's a little thinner. Okay. A millimeter or so thinner. Okay, that's um, a lot, actually. Yeah, it, it's maybe not quite a millimeter, 0. 0.8 or 0. 0.9, something like that. But supposedly it's noticeably thinner. Sure. So that's that's what excites me. Um the, the 54 was a weird release to me. It's like, how much smaller did you need to go from the 58? Yeah. But it's cool. You know, maybe my we'll uh, significant other would, would like it. You know, I think that they did some things to it that kind of... Uh, well, Jason, there's a place called Asia. Well, so... Where they can sell lots of them. It's not so much the the men's or women's side of it, but it does feel a little bit like they're trying to make it a little bit less masculine because mm -hmm. they took away, you know, like it's got the same sunburst dial that the, the new smaller Pelagos has. Yeah. 
you know, so they're they're trying to take the edge off it a little bit. Because well, it is, like. it is a kind of a clunky watch. So they're like, all right, what can we do without making a brand new model? You know what I would like is actually a forty-two in titanium. If they start making titanium That's black, a Pelagos. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, never mind. I totally forgot. There's something called a Pelagos too. I love the Pelagos. I've owned several. I, the Pelagos is my black bay. Yeah. I've never owned a black bay forty-one. I've owned I've owned I've, a few Pelagos. But... I've owned a few Pelagos. So. It's similar to uh, I have the same relationship I do with with the uh, Speedmaster. Where you know they what come they should do? They should make a titanium watch. <laughs> Jesus. But yeah, I mean uh, they're they're great. And one of the things too that I actually like about that, not to harp on the red uh, Metos too much, but my favorite part of the Pelagos, mm -hmm. aside from that buckle, that's great, is the the way that the strap fits the end links of the bracelet to go back into that finished look, mm -hmm. which the new one comes with. So like you can get the rubber strap. Has that finished end links. Uh, looks really good. This mm. piece here, the silver opaline GMT. Um, it's beautiful. I think it, it's pretty. When it, so when it came out, I did what you said about the whole uh, Zenith thing where like the watch knob in me is like, well, that's just a different dial. Like, yeah. okay. But in videos, it looks much better than it does in photos. In photos, it, was, it looked white. And in videos, it looks more like an opaline kind of uh, really pretty. It almost looks exactly like a uh, poor man's meteorite GMT. Yeah. Um, level Rolex is the reason why they made them in the first place. They've taken on their life of their own and guys own both and I I like them. And I think they do a great job and like you don't have to ever own a Rolex and you can own a Tudor. But um yeah I mean they're scaled down Rolex essentially what they're supposed to be. I think the the thing awesome. that the yeah I mean so but they should make it fetching. The GMT is but the, uh, the thing with that piece is it's the exact same dimensions and all that as the previous one. Mm -hmm. And I know people were calling for it to be thinner because mm -hmm. it's a thicker watch to begin with. Yeah. But um, there's titanium also... Titanium the, solves it. Yeah. <laughs> you and titanium. So there's also the new... Uh, what do they call them? Black Bay... Uh, I think they just call it the 41. So the the one without the bezel. Yeah. Uh, so it's like their OP, essentially. Come, it's like a, it's, it's, a, a, it's a, a smooth no, it's, bezel. It's a um, Aquaterra. There it is. It will, well, if you're going to make the correlation of Rolex, this is like their OP. Okay. So it's a smooth bezel, comes in the five link or the oyster style. Uh, Jubilee, and, it's called Jubilee. Yeah, Jubilee or oyster style. It's got a, now it comes in like a smoke dial. It's actually pretty. And, um, Sorry. it's, you know, it's like a, it looks like a field watch or like a, just a basic OP. It's, it's not bad, but I know people are talking about them because now it comes in a bunch of different flavors and sizes. Uh, I think all the way down to 31 millimeter, if yep. I'm not mistaken. So, 31 to 41. Well, you're right, because they did expand the, the OPs, actually, as well. Right. Right, so they make, a they make I think, a 28, a 31, 34, 36, and 41 OP. Um, so now, yeah, they, ex they expanded the new black base, 31, 36, 39, and 41. Interesting. Yeah. And then I, I did speak with some people that were in Switzerland, and the overwhelming report back from a few different people for me was that the newer... Uh, what you want to call Jubilee or five link, mm -hmm. the finishing on it and the fit felt superior to regular like Tudor manufacturing. Nice. The yeah, two or three people told me like it just felt really nice. So I oh, got, so, I got oh, high hopes for that. What what I like about what so here's changing brands. So Panerai, my favorite brand. So you know what has everyone been asking it for? You always find a way to circle back to Panerai. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's been asking for more radio mirrors, Jason. Yeah. I mean, I got guys banging down my door. Hey, when are they going to make a new radio mirror? So they made a bunch of radio mirrors. Uh, some expensive. Some just slightly less expensive than very expensive ones. 
I don't know, man. I don't know what's going on with Panerai. Like you didn't need a, a platinum perpetual, uh, perpetual calendar, calendar and smoked cherry. Yeah, I mean it, it seems looks like nice. an odd choice. Uh, what was the price? I think it was like a hundred grand or yeah, something crazy. Like, Seventy nine, eighty thousand bucks, something crazy. So yeah, Panerai. Still kind of lost I'm its I'm buying rating. that long hair chrono before I buy that Panerai. Wow. Well, no, what do you mean? Come on. <laughs> I'm not buying either one for, for that kind of pro, but either, regardless. Uh, yeah, so uh, if Panerai, I mean, they're not listening, right? Who cares? Panerai, but, they don't listen to what yeah, they don't listen want, to, honestly. To us. But if they, if they were, and they were going to listen to any collector, we need 44 millimeter Panerais. We need 44 Steel. millimeter regular, you know, submersibles. You know, like yeah. the, uh, was it the 1287? Yep. In green. Love yeah. that watch. Got a call from it. Mm -hmm. Panerai Boutique and Design District. Because I went in there and said, hey, I love this watch. It's great. I love green. Yeah. Right. It called me. Hey, you interested in buying it? We have it. Uh, yeah. Well, let's talk about it. What, how much? 11.7, I think, is the retail. And that's, that's yeah, 11.7. You want it? For a, for a stainless so, submersible. So I'm like, uh, not so much. Because I've owned a 24. I've owned a 25. And guess what? For... Fifty five hundred six grand, great pieces. Yeah. Eleven seven, not so much. It's tough, man. I, I would say yeah. So this watch, the one we're talking about, it, they they call it Platinum Tech, which I wonder if that's like similar to Trash Tanium. Uh, fourteen thirty two, right? Yeah. So the fourteen thirty two and Platinum Tech, which again, I, I, that might be similar to Trash Tanium, which is my favorite. It's, it's the stuff <laughs> recycled. Yeah. So uh, Platinum Tech, um, you know, material science. Okay, fair enough. Uh, it's it's an eighty-eight to ninety thousand dollar Panerai. It's tough, man. Uh, I mean, I like my first my first Swiss watch ever was a Radiomir. I like it, but it was also a Panerai three eighty, so it was a four thousand dollar watch. Right? Yeah. That looks seventy five percent of what this watch looks like. Right? I mean, I don't know. It's tough, man. I, I don't think that Panerai needs to be looking for more complications in their watches. I would love to see them free, realistically, and I mean, it's not realistic, right? But I like to seal them, scale down their production numbers. They do about 80,000 watches a year. They could probably scale that in half. Um, then they can sell all their watches brand new through retail and not have to discount really if they were to do something like that. Focus on, you know, that five uh, to $10,000 range for your core stuff and then have, and then then you can, you can make some of this stuff. But like, you know, when you're, when, you're releasing new models after new models. You're re-editioning the same exact model with a new reference number over and over again with slight tweaks here and there. It confuses the people, right? Like there are so many references. I used to know all the three-digit references. I could name every single one of them for you. These four-digit references, I mean, they make, they're, they're re-editioning the re-edition of the re-edition already. So, it's like, what are you doing? Guys? Yeah, I mean, so to speak to what you're saying, like, it's yeah, me Panerai references used to be, they were never easy to remember, but no, they made but sense. Them, yeah. Right. If you did it long enough and you liked the brand, yeah. it was worth remembering. Yep. But now it's not so much like there's too many to remember. It's just we stopped caring. Yeah. It's what it exactly. is. Um, you know, like if, so this movement, right? Our, so first of all, it's an annual calendar and all For, the markings right, are yeah. in Italian. Right, all the months and are on the on the watch are mm -hmm. in a language that the primary market's probably not looking for, mm -hmm. uh, and that's great. You're paying homage to like where you come from and all that, but so like if that calendar existed in a 1950s case, steel or even titanium for under 20 grand, yeah, home run, yeah, an annual people calendar. Are, it's not people listen, are buying guys. that watch all the time. Yeah, eighty-eight thousand dollars for why? Because it's platinum. It's in, it's in there. You Does know, it need to be platinum? Could I, it be white gold for 56 and still yeah. be overpriced? 
Could it be, be. for 26, put it in steel? You might have people looking at it. I think that watch in, in a base metal of steel or titanium in a $20,000 range or below, you're killing it. You're yeah, selling that watch. Well. Yeah. Um, you know, I could be wrong. These could be all sold out. Who knows? Maybe but uh, I don't know. It's tough. So, like, Panerai does not have a rich history of watchmaking. That's not what they... They're a tool watch company, right? Their, their story is really awesome. And, you know, they, they get a lot of heat because they, they will rewrite their own history. They'll make up lies. They'll say all sorts of weird things. It doesn't seem like they care so much about the actual history, which they have like an awesome history, which I love. Like I made a video about kind of the history of Panerai and some of the stuff that I said on there, I, I found out was false actually because right. I was going off of what Panerai is told, right? And, and that stinks, right? But um, they do have a cool history. Do, did they, were they on the wrong side of World War II? Well, yeah, the Italians were for a while, right? So, uh, you know, that's part of it, but like, so what? They're, you so know, like, this is not, they're, you're not selling, you know, Nazi memorabilia. You don't need to. Um, you could, they could do, Panerai still has, uh, like, the, the design elements of Panerai keeps it afloat. People really love, especially the, um, the large crown cover. That's what crown guard. This is kind of what, what drew me to it initially. Then the history comes second. The watches wear great. And for, as a value play, because they're not really going to compete. Like, if you're, like, okay, so you can get, you can get a white gold annual, cal annual calendar from Paddock for half of this. Right. So this or that. $90,000 for a, a platinum Panerai uh, annual calendar or a white gold annual calendar for $40,000 from Paddock. Maybe they, maybe they made like one of these. I don't know, man. It so sucks. The, I don't yeah, get too I mean, it's, about this stuff. The, but. the thing with the Panerai, I'll touch a little bit on the history part of it, is like the they have a history of making up their history. Yeah. That's the problem. So it, it doesn't instill a lot of confidence. And then the, the fact, like there are a lot of brands not even just in watches, right? In everyday life that, that we're on the wrong side of things. Yeah. And that's fine, but they don't go bragging about it and they don't post advertisements about it and then yeah. not retract or not, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's definitely a, a certain amount of people that are that are hurt by that, yeah. uh, especially people that were into the brand that are no longer that were hurt by that. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, let's just not go talking about it. That's right. all. Well, the other thing is like what we said about, say like Moser, for example, and this has just become like a trash print. The reason why we're doing this, by the <laughs> way, is because I, well, personally, I love Panerai. I love their watches. I don't love their brand today, but I do, I I'll like still old, buy their watches. Panerai is my thing. Yeah. yeah like, I, like, you know, uh, pre 2010 Panerai is in my opinion. It's turned into a ramp. Right? But Though uh, uh, there are like the forty-two millimeters are awesome. I think those are great watches. People really love them. So they are still making relevant watches. It's just they do make a lot of ir irrelevant watches. So that's that. I mean, uh, besides that, like I do, I like the uh, radiomirrors in general. I love them. Do I think you should be spending you know thirty, forty, fifty, ninety thousand dollars on a radiomirror? Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, but they made some cool dials. They have they they went they were, there's only so much you can do with the. Um, you know, with Panerai and like, you know, the types of cases that they have and stuff. So they're just trying to sell more watches. So I understand. All right. Um, what else do we have, Jay? What's yeah, another is brand there, that, is we, there anything that we can... on an up note that we can right. end with that's not a terrible rant down Bastion the rabbit made hole. some cool stuff. I heard Bastion some people came liked, out with some cool like what stuff. They, did. They, they have the dual moon. Um, I haven't seen any of these in person, but uh, I have gotten some feedback from guys who have, and they said that they're great. Uh, but, you know, nothing 
earth shattering. They made a new moon retrograde, a moon phase retrograde, and put it into their overseas, which is a very pretty watch. I've always loved the overseas. And now that they're trading back at much more reasonable number, I think that they're a great buy. Yeah. Um, you know, Vacheron is a legitimate watchmaker. They're going to make legitimate watches. And there's a reason for them to, to make all these types of watches. So, for example, just to go back, right, if Panerai made a, uh, a dual moon or a... Uh, you know, uh, put a, a moon phase retrograde in one of their um, luminors, it probably wouldn't make a lot of sense. Vacheron, it does. Like, they are, they're known. They were a holy trinity for a long time, right? Right. The problem is, if you put a movement like that in a Panerai, it looks like the fake ones that people make of Panerais that have movements that don't actually work. Oh, um, so, sick. But anyways, let's, let's All right. get back into something that's not uh, beating on a dead horse. Jason, you have anything positive to say about Hublot? I like you, Blow. Yeah, me too. I mean, listen, it's, it, they get a lot of hate, but well, they um, the reason why I think they got they a lot of hate it. was it was well warranted because prior to prob like well, so I'd say like 2012 or so is when they started changing things. But like prior to that, they would make their movements. Like we used to have our our head watchmaker came yeah. from Blow, and he would tell us that listen, man, they threw any movement that would work into one of these watches, and they would charge twenty thousand dollars for a watch that maybe cost them yeah. five hundred bucks to make or something silly like that, and and they just didn't care about quality, right? They well, but, the problem was that the case and the bracelet and the dial and all that cost more than the movement that they put in the watch. Yeah, that was the thing, and there would be a disparity between like. The same watch with the same reference number can have a two hundred fifty dollar movement or a nine hundred dollar movement, yep. or a fifteen hundred dollar movement, depending mm -hmm. on what month they made that watch. Yep. And but that's back when I mean, listen, they faked they faked it until they make it. You know, right, like guess, yeah. that's back when Hublot didn't care uh, to put that effort in, and now they do. Yeah. Uh, now they well, have quietly done. It, I mean, which the I, the which Unico was single handedly like the thing that mm -hmm. turned their brand around. The movement. Mm -hmm. um, they've got some crazy cool stuff. They also do. Crazy good. I mean, their ceramic finishing is probably one of the Better best in the yeah, market. Anything else, yeah. um, you know, I, I like the brand quite a bit. I don't. I still not a big fan of paying retail or anything next to it for one. But right. you know, that's it well. Is that's what one it thing is. that they've done. So like they they release all these really cool movements. Like they have the new Turbion, which okay, it's cool. And you know, like the guys will like these watches, and they they are big into material technology. So they have like full carbon fiber bracelets for their watch. Like that's pretty fucking awesome, man. Um, but they don't like. It doesn't seem to me that the brand itself is trying to let everybody know, hey, we've changed the quality of these watches. They just did it, and they keep selling them the same way that they've always sold them, but they, that's it. That's all they do is right. they just keep selling these watches. So, I mean, they, listen, they're doing, I think they're doing a good job. Um, I, I like Is it – I, like I mean, is the business model perfect? No, but like they're transacting. People are buying the watches and wearing the watches. They've always been doing that. And it's, I will say that like going into a Hublot boutique, it's probably one of, still one of the more fun, yeah. you know, experiences because they're happy to have someone that, that wants to talk about the watch. They're not, they're not turning up their nose to you when you try and pull on the door, you know, you can walk into a Hublot boutique and try, not try on watch. a bunch of watches and buy whichever one you want yep. and walk out and it's still one of those brands. Mm. Uh, even, you know, even, uh, some of the brands that are much cheaper than Hublot, uh, with the demand behind them, mm -hmm. you They're don't have trouble. that experience, yeah. you know? So there you go. I'd say, um, you know, watch snobs still hate them. And the, the square Big Bang is ugly as shit. I, I don't like that watch. I'm sure people do. Though I say that, and it looks exactly like my Cartier Santos, which I, I like love. The square. My yeah. only, I mean, same, I like same thing goes for all of them that have that front lug 
quick release we've talked about before i hate it's dangerous it's it's a calling card for like wrist theft <laughs> but uh, why you wouldn't put that quick release on the back of the lug i have no idea but i actually the sapphire square bang i think is a cool watch okay. i mean cool and do i like it are two different things and yeah i think it's it might be cool but i don't like it all right jason how about ubo u-boat u-boat they, they were definitely on the wrong side of the world. <laughs> if no, we, that if brand, that brand didn't company. exist back then, but it's an odd choice for a brand name. Yeah. Uh, no, nah, we don't need to talk about them. All right. Um, I think that's everything. I think we kind of covered everything. So uh, real quick, because we were running a bit long, um, the market of watches. So it's been two weeks. Uh, people are like, well, uh, you know, what is everything worth? It's like, dude, things are. it's going to take 90 days for things to really settle. So what are we seeing? Rolex, prices are up across the board. The Daytonas have gone up probably more than I thought they would have, right? Like black dial ceramic Daytonas mm -hmm. went from 25 to 35, hoping they come back down under 30. Uh, white dial Daytonas went from, you know, low 30s to high 30s. Uh, and I think that might even go higher once the, the new ones are actually released, right? So once people start listing those for 70,000 bucks, some absurd amount, you know, the, the first people who get them and flip them immediately, um, you know, and, and that's already happening. I have guys who are reaching out to me, sending me pictures of, uh, new releases on the website. Hey man, how much are you guys paying for this? I'm getting this next week. I'm like, shit, man. Okay, well, we don't know what we're paying for, and we're probably going to be very yeah. conservative. But you know, they're probably going to be listed for very, very high. Um, so you know, the Rolex strong, Paddock strong, AP seems like it's it's starting to kind of find its level. Um, I'm getting more people looking for some of the Royal Oaks. Where like I didn't have anybody ask me for a Royal Oak in shit months. So. Um, AP seems to have kind of maybe found its level. I'm hoping Vacheron has found its level as well. We're still selling off some of our overseas that that we overpaid for them for last year. Uh, but, you know, it, it seems like things are starting to level out. Uh, I'm hoping that the watch market moving forward is kind of this, right? Like it's reasonable. Slightly increased from where where we would all just be like gangbusters blind, buying everything you want. So yeah. slightly over that. But definitely a discount compared to the last five years. Mm -hmm. uh, four well, last, and a half, five years. Last and, year, really. Yeah, yeah, last year. It and, just kind of picked up where it's it just, left off before a, the It's bubble. a little bit more comfortable area yeah. for most people. But I do think that certain things are starting to you know, kind of solidify. Like you said, AP's found its footing about, what, 15 to 20% lower than its prime, but still... No, 30 to 40% lower than its yeah, prime. Yeah, but the new the new climb, I think, is going to be somewhere oh. like 20% 20, 20 under where it was in its prime. Okay. Um, Rolex is is on the way up from its, uh, you know, kind of the... Dip last year. The dip last year. So, yeah, I mean, Daytonas are going to be what they are. Uh, I think that a lot of people are struggling or you know kind of like uh, scrambling now to find the find the one one reference mm -hmm. um because you know in the new cases the new bezel around the you know the ring i actually happen to be like uh of the opinion i like the new one better than the Me old too. one um you know when that when they first came out i said that and i was kind of an unpopular opinion because everybody was saying the new one looks like a fake a fake uh, panda, you know, I don't know if you've seen that meme where it's oh, like, yeah, this yeah. is a real panda yeah. and this is a, a, a special special ed panda. Yeah. But, um, I mean, so I, I have this running theory because I know that the bezel is thinner. Mm -hmm. So I would imagine that the... the dial's the, bigger. Well, yeah, the dial looks bigger, which is great because Daytona's always looked like a smaller watch mm -hmm. on the wrist. Wears like a true 40 now, apparently, yep. with the, with the maxi new case. maxi case. Yeah. And then so the, no more pointed lugs. And the, the thing that nobody talks about, like everybody wants to complain about the the 
precious metal or whatever the material of the case is has that, that mm -hmm. band around the bezel, but the ceramic bezel is thinner. Yeah. So I got to imagine Rolex doesn't do anything by mistake, mm -hmm. right? R&D off the grid. So like I would imagine that that band is to protect the thinner ceramic bezel. I don't know that I would imagine that I, I have never had one break. Have no. you? Uh, I've never had a customer break one, but I got to imagine that they said, hey, it's 10% thinner. We need some support, right? Makes sense. The longer hour markers, I like. Yep. It back to, harkens back to like the El Primero Zenith, Zenith yeah. uh, Daytonas. So realistically, it only comes down to the thinner chapter rings around the chronograph registers. And that's something I have to see in person. But uh, a Daytona, a Daytona that wears a little bit bigger and has a little bit larger dial presence on the wrist is not something that I would be uh, mad at looking at. No, you know? I think I think you're going to get it's all the old, all the people who could wear them in the past will like them, and then there also is going to be uh, like a, a larger contingent of people who thought the Daytona was too small, guys like you. But all right, well. Um, I think that's it, Jason. So uh, anything worth noting? I mean, guys, so uh, if you're listening to this, uh, you know, the reason why I ended up taking some time off here, why we took time off of doing this, uh, this podcast was, um, well, some personal reasons until I had another kid, which makes things much more difficult in terms of timing. But um, we're also in the, in the process of opening up two offices in South Florida. We do have satellite offices. So if you're listening to this in South Florida, in New York City, or in Los Angeles, we have uh, watch box offices in those cities now. So if you wanted to see a watch in person, if you want to meet any of our staff members, if you want to be invited to any of our events, which we're going to, we're, we're going to be gaining steam and doing more and more of those, um, reach out, reach out to one of us. So Jason and I both work in the South Florida area. So we're, we are back and forth between our Boca Raton office, which is at the, the, the Boca Raton or the Boca resort in all uh, Southwest 18th and Boca Raton. Um, or we have our slightly larger office in uh, the de design district off of Second Ave in Miami. So we'll be doing more events there. We're also, you know, happy to host your event if you have some watch guys and you want to come look at watches and and enjoy the evening like that. We're happy to put something together for you. Um, you know, we wanted we want to have a presence in each area. So New York City off of Madison Avenue 57th, an amazing office. I flew up there to meet a customer. That thing is absolutely beautiful. I haven't been to the LA office. That one's the biggest one. It's like 5,000 square feet. And we've done, we did an amazing uh, event for uh, for Debitune there. Had a bunch of celebrities, it was really cool. So, you know, reach out if you wanna meet us there. We're happy to, to set up something for you. Besides that, um, reach out to me. On Instagram, at Mr. Thanos, Jason. Uh, Evo underscore watches. There you go. And uh, subscribe to the podcast. if you're, However you're listening to it, subscribe to it. Also, check out our YouTube. Um, Tim is on Overdrive. Just He's releasing so many new videos every single day. Our inventory is starting to pick back up again. We're back to buying. So it's, uh, you know, things are good. Yeah, everything's on the up. All right, guys. Thank you very much. If you're listening this deep into it, you're a champion. We love you. See you next time. Thank mm -hmm. you.